This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hi, Blue Wire listeners. I'm Greg Olson. I'm excited to partner with Blue Wire to bring you TE1, a podcast where I interview the tight ends who have revolutionized the position. Listen in as I have raw, in-depth conversations with the all-time greats like Shannon Sharp, Tony Gonzalez, Travis Kelsey, and George Kittle. We'll explore how the tight end position has changed over the last 60 years and what it takes to be the very best. Subscribe to TE1 from Blue Wire Studios today so you're ready for the August premiere. It's Chrisomania, brother. That's a great question. Look at you, man, with the powerful questions. (laughs) Woo! This is the Chris Van Vliet Show. Chris Van Vliet Show. Ladies and gentlemen, Chris Van Vliet! What an intro. Ah, get so hyped up hearing that intro from Justin Roberts. Welcome back to another audio adventure on the Chris Van Vliet Show. Notice that I say the full name of the show on every single episode. And the only only reason I do that is because I know that there's still like... 96% 96% of people out there who have no idea how to pronounce it. And that's okay. I get it. I mean, there's all these vowels next to each other. I don't blame you. Van Vliet, Van Violet, Van, Van Vliet. You're from Canada. It must be French. I've heard it all. Chris Van Vliet rhymes with meat. This episode is brought to you by Deal Dash and Bet Online. And earlier in the week, yeah, I said Chris Van Vliet rhymes with meat. Earlier in the week, we had one of the many surprises from Slammiversary on the show. I'm, of course, talking about the Good Brothers, Gallows and Anderson. And now we have one of the other surprises. A man who has TNA, has Impact Wrestling flowing through his veins. Flowing through his veins, brother. Eric Young had a 12-year run in TNA before leaving for WWE, but now he is back home where it all began. We talk about all of that the staying in the TNA, the leaving for WWE, the returning back to a much different looking, different name, Impact Wrestling. And I've I've known EY for almost 20 years. It's actually a, it's actually a funny story about the first time that we met, which which we get to in this interview. But first, I got to thank you for these reviews. This one's all the way from India. Oh, I'm going to keep reading one out on every single episode. Jason Freddy in India says Great podcast. Chris, please increase the length of the podcast. I listen to your podcast before going to sleep. Keep up the great work. Well, thank you, Jason. Uh, I, I, can, I can make these as long as I can. An hour seems to be the sweet spot, though. You know, some, some are a little bit less. Some are a little bit more. But I think the hour is the, the sweet spot. But, you know, if we can go two hours, three hours, we'll do it if you're, I mean, if you're okay with that. By the way, how are things in India? with COVID. Hope everything's okay. Hope hope everyone's doing well there. And you know, I know that Eric Young 
is doing more than just okay. He is pumped to be back in Impact Wrestling. He says that they were the second call that he got after he was released. You might be surprised to hear who that first call was. He says since he did his comedy stuff for almost 10 years that he has a lot left in the tank. And even though he turned 40, he's taken a lot less bumps than most 40-year-old wrestlers because of all that comedy stuff. It's very clear. It's very clear he did not enjoy his time in WWE. He calls it a broken system. He told Vince McMahon to his face that they missed an opportunity on him. Oh, man. You're going to love this. There is a lot in this. So let's unpack it together. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Eric Young. EY, good to see you, man. Christopher. Uh, I mean, we've, we've went back and forth a little bit, but uh, 10 years in the making. This one? It, t- yeah, I mean, the last time that you and I did an interview was 2011. Mm-hmm. Yep. You and Jeff Jarrett, Impact Wrestling, was coming to Cleveland where I was working at the time. So we've chatted a bit since then, but it's good to finally be able to catch up with you. Yeah, for sure, man, for sure. It's uh, The floodgates are open, doing media again. Uh, exciting to be alive, exciting to be some uh, part of something. Uh, yeah, it's uh, a good time for my soul. I needed it. Well, it's perfect timing. You're back at Impact Wrestling. You have come back home. How's it feel? Yeah, it feels really good. It's uh, and I was saying this to to Scott Demore, as you know, like me and him have known each other forever. uh, Just saying, like how proud the people that have been there, or you know, even people that have been there and have left, like how proud those people should be taking uh, a company like that that was in obscurity. I mean, like um, it was definitely on the decline when I left. Uh, and it got worse from there to the point where they had no TV. Uh, somehow they ha- they hung on and uh, survived on fumes, and now it's it's prospering for sure. You know, Access TV for them is a is an excellent television partner. Uh, I know some wrestling fans, not even I, fully understand, but I do understand that the Pluto get for them is a massive international gateway for them. Uh, just technology nowadays makes it easier to get the product in front of people that want to see it, and. Uh, it's growing like crazy, you know, like the numbers are yeah. in and, and it's, it, it's booming and it's, you know, it, it's not because of any one person or any group of people. It, it, it's definitely a, a collective effort, but being part of a huge surge for the company is, is exciting for me and uh, gratifying in, in a lot of ways for sure. Wait, what is, what's going on with your forehead? You got like pretty beat up. Yeah. It looks like it's, it's the old saying, it's not ballet, buddy. It's not ballet. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I was a little rusty. I hadn't wrestled in uh, almost five months. I mean, if you're really counting, if you want to count main event and, you know, throw away matches on raw, I haven't wrestled in three years. So <laughs> I, was, uh, I was a little rusty, maybe a little bit off. Um, yeah. I mean, it looked good on TV, didn't it? Hey, you looked great on TV. It was so good to see you back. I feel like Slammiversary is going to be like this moment in Impact Wrestling history. Slammiversary this year, we're going to look back on in a year or two or five and go, that's where things really started to change for you. Did you feel that yeah. when you were backstage? Uh, you definitely you wanted to feel that. I don't, I don't look forward that much. Uh, I, I, I have always been a person that just kind of lives in the moment. Uh, and that can be a detriment sometimes, but there's a lot of times I feel like people don't ever just, they're not present. You know what I mean? They're always thinking about what might happen or what could happen. And I'm just kind of in that pocket of like, okay, this is what's going on right now. Uh, looking back on it now, I believe like what you said, that that is what we're going to say. 
Uh, that's what people will be saying. That's what the industry will be saying. Uh, that will be part of, of impacts history, you know, uh, for the good, for the better, I believe. And, uh, that's a very cool thing to be part of as well. You mean like being in TNA or impact wrestling before, and you always felt like it was kind of not you versus the world, but like you're the underdog. You're, you know, you don't have the resources. You don't have the generational viewership. You don't have things like that. You mean, and every little step that you could take forward, you felt part of that, you know, Mm -hmm. And, and this is, I believe is a giant step forward for the company for many reasons, but like I said before, the people that were there before, the wrestlers, the backstage people, the production people, uh, management, uh, access, uh, Ed Norum, uh, you know, Frank, you know, I mean, like all these people were in that position because they put us in that position. I mean, it doesn't happen naturally. These are all things that they've done and positioned themselves and, and made the right moves. And, you know, of course, a, a huge chunk of people being released all at the same time because of the virus, because of cutbacks and stuff like that. Um, us becoming available gave them a huge opportunity and they didn't wait. I mean, like I can, I can set, tell you now, Scott Demore was the second person I heard from when the news came out. So, wow. Who yeah. was the first person? Uh, this is going to sound weird, but actually, uh, triple H was the very first, um, he was unaware that it was happening. Uh, he's in a different position in the company now. And me and him have always had a very good relationship. Um, and the original plan after WrestleMania was for me to go back to NXT. Um, so we had been talking a lot about ideas and what might happen, this, that, and the other, and then. When they said they were going to release talent, I knew for sure I was going to be on that list. And it's it's nothing personal. Uh, I don't take it personal. I'm not bitter in any way. Uh, it's one person made a massive mistake, and and uh, I'm <laughs> I'm not the first person he's made a mistake on. I will not be the last. And uh, that's it, man. You know what I mean? Like that's it. That's uh, it's it, it's a weird thing, and I'm sure people are curious. And I, I talked a little bit on Busted Open this morning about it, just saying. Yeah, it's a, it's a weird situation to be in. You love something so much, pro wrestling. And me and my wife talked about this. My first love in my life was pro wrestling. It was the first thing that I I cared about so deeply. It consumed everything I did, you know, every thought, every minute, the job I had, the people I talked to, you know, everything in my life was based around pro wrestling and how I could further myself and advance my career. Um and uh, the last three years, I hated it. I, you know, I didn't watch it. I didn't talk about it. I avoided it as much as possible. Wow. Um, yeah, it's and that's a weird place to be in. Uh, it, and I'll just say, uh, with the WWE, it, it's just. I mean, I'm not the first guy to say this. You know, Moxley talked about this a bunch uh, when he when he left the company and uh, on much different circumstances. You know, I mean, that's his choice. They were throwing a bunch of money in his way, and he chose to step away. And yeah. that's, that's a powerful thing. And, and things that he said, it's stuff that, you know, is very real. It's a, it's a broken system. Uh, it, it's impossible to be creative. It's impossible to get ahead. It's up. It's impossible to feel like you have even a foothold in your career at all. Like a person that spent 20 plus years grinding, trying to make my reputation. And then it's basically dumped on by one person for no reason whatsoever. I mean, he, he looked up for, from his cell phone for five seconds and saw me doing something that maybe he didn't agree with in that moment. And that's the end of it. 
So it's wow. the whole time you're there, it's, it's you're just trying to fix other people's mistakes. That's what it feels like. And then that's an exhausting process. You're not having fun. There's no creativity. He, he wants everyone to be the same and do the same things and sell the same way. And that's not what pro wrestling is to me. Uh, and we, uh, you know, he always treated me with respect when we talked. Um, we, you know, we definitely had a few personal conversations between me and him. And, and I, I had pitched some things and told him what I thought. And he was receptive to it. Nothing ever came from it. I don't take it personally, but I'm in this position because he couldn't recognize that I had anything to offer. And my, the last thing I'll say about it is this. If you have a three-hour television show, pro wrestling television show, and you can't find something for me to do, then you're failing as a leader. Plain and simple. You failed your company. You failed the shareholders. You failed the fans. And you failed yourself. The reason I wasn't on the show was his choice. No one else's. You know, I think you, if you ask most of the people that work there, they would be in my corner. He was not in my corner, so I wasn't in the show. And I would tell him to his face, you failed as a leader. You can't find something for Eric Young to do. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's a weird, it's a really weird place. You can't fully understand it until you're there. Um, but I, I, I have fate tattooed on my underarm, and it's something I believe in. Uh, I've believed in my whole life, and everything happens for a reason. I knew something good was going to come out of this one way or the other, and it did. And it's uh, it's very, very cool. And life is funny that way. Did you have a moment six months, a year into your WWE run where you went, maybe I shouldn't have left Impact? No. So and that's another thing with, like I said, like I'm, I'm just in the moment. I mean, I, at that time, like I, I realized my position there was, you know, I, I worked main event. I, I was an enhancement guy for guys that they, they were they were pushing and uh, that if that's what you decide that you mean you're paying me, I'm an employee, then that's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. And, and that will never change. Um, I feel like it's a massive waste of my talent. It's a massive waste of my experience and my ability to do a bunch of different things. I, I may not be the best promo or the best in-ring worker or the, you know, you know, the best body or the fastest or the strongest, but I'm very, very good at all of it. And I'm not saying that because I think I am. I'm saying it because I've done, I've done it. Yeah. You know, I've wrestled on every part of the card. I've wrestled women. I've wrestled, you know, uh, X division guys. I've done tag. I've been funny. I've been the opening match. I've been the main event. I've been, you know, I, I, I'm not saying I think I can do it. I've already done it. And there's proof on tape of me doing it. So it's uh yeah, it's, it's just, it's a, it's just crazy to, to look back and think like how long I was there and the investment that they had made in me financially and I didn't do anything. And, and like I said, not the first person that, that, uh, that he missed on will not be the last. He, he's got more wins and he's got losses. Pro wrestling, how it's designed and the size that it is today, it is because of his vision. He's a genius. I would never take that away from him. I have a giant house and have a very good life because pro wrestling has been very good to me because he made it into a, a worldwide phenomenon. That's, you know, you, you, any person in wrestling owes that to him. And, and I respect him for that. I respect, you know, things that he's done, but at this point, it just seems like he's out of touch of, of what's really going on and what people want to see. Do you think that the product will take a different turn when Vince finally does step down and maybe Triple H and Steph are the ones that take over? Yeah. I mean, I think most people would bet that, you I mean, and, and I don't think there's anything wrong with 
if you're in charge of the company and you're the leader, then, you know, in the end, uh, he's the one that has the most to lose, you know, if it doesn't do well, yeah. he, you know, he's, he's a workaholic, he's a machine and he's created this empire. Um, but at the same time, like sometimes you gotta, you know, you gotta ask for help. Maybe, you know, you can't, do, can't do it all on your own and it will, t- it will take a turn. And, and I mean, I, I believe it will improve. And, um, Hunter was always well to me. My time in NXT was amazing. I mean, it, it, it rekindled my love of pro wrestling again, and it was a good change of scenery for me at the time. And being insanity, being part of that, that whole crew was, was a very cool time for me. The main roster I, I could have done without that. Um, uh, but you know, that's, it's all part of the journey for sure. I wouldn't change. I, just, I wouldn't change it. I, I really wouldn't. It, it's just crazy to think that you were triple crown champion in yeah. TNA. Incredible career there. And then you go to WWE and with great respect to you, you know, they don't let you really do anything at all. Yeah. And it just doesn't make sense to me. It's like you go from being the top of the heap in this one place to being towards the bottom on this other one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's where I said, it didn't surprise me when they said, oh, we're going to be releasing talent. Like I'm the first to go. Like I knew that it, it didn't surprise me at all. It didn't catch me off guard. Um, I knew that it was coming um, before the pandemic. I felt that it was probably going to happen sooner or later um, hmm. because I wasn't contributing anything that was necessary. It's just the reality that has nothing to do with me or my, my choice or my decisions. That's, that's their choice. I came to work every week, ready to contribute, ready to wrestle, ready to, to do whatever was asked. They just didn't ask me to do anything. Um, but yeah. It's uh, it, it was a, it was, it's hard. You mean to, to deal with something like that? Like, especially for me, it's, it was never, I was never shown disrespect. You mean like, um, producers there always were, were kind and kind of let me do my own thing and, uh, promos and, and, and things like that, especially in NXT, I was kind of allowed to do my own thing as well, but to, to where I was when I went there and the reaction I got when I came out the first time with Joe, um, the buzz on the internet is like that, you know, this is going to be a good thing. And it, and it was like the NXT, my, you know, my run there was great. The, the thing with uh, Sean Spears, Ty Dillinger was uh, something that we had always wanted to do. Um, I got to work with, you know, one of my best friends, a guy that I trained, uh, you know, on one of the biggest stages in the world. And we did house shows and did the cage and did a pay-per-view and did all this stuff. And then he went up and did the thing at the rumble, got to work with Roderick Strong and Adam Cole and, Gargano and Tommaso and got to do all this amazing stuff, beat the undefeated AOP, um, won the tag belts in Brooklyn, like was part of the match of the year war games. The first time that had happened in the WWE. So, you know, it was a very sanity and Eric Young were a big part of what went on. There mm-hmm. it was one of the top acts in NXT. And then yeah. we got called up per his request. You know, that was, he asked for us to come and, a bunch of stuff happened. It's uh, a lot of victim of circumstance, I think. And we just ended up in a really weird spot. Then they sent those two guys down and his request was for me to move over to raw for Vince wanted me to come over to raw and has to figure something out for me over there. Cause at that point he still liked me. And then somewhere along the line, he didn't like me and didn't care, didn't care for my work. And then I was kind of lost in obscurity there for about a year and a half. So, and that's, uh, that's tough to deal with after all the work you put in and, you know, I mean, I'm a short, chubby kid from Florence, Ontario. I, I can tell you, I, I grinded. 
you know, very, very hard. And I made a lot of sacrifices along the, the, the road in 20 years to put myself in that position and build my career to where it was. And it was basically thrown away um, haphazardly. And that's, uh, that's hard to deal with. Well, you've got it back now. You've got it back. Yeah. But, yeah. but this begs the question, why leave impact in the first place? Yeah. I mean, for me at the point, um, it's different management. I mean, yes, impact. It was TNA impact when I left. Now it's just impact wrestling. Um, we were not on access TV. Um, I could see where the company was heading and where it went. I was right. I mean, like I, I saw it going this way. It was dwindling. The numbers were going down. You know, we weren't doing house shows. We weren't making money. Um, you know, the, the, we're, we're on destination America. Then they lose that. Then we're on pop. I mean, I had it on my satellite, but I had no idea what it was. You know, it, you know, it just kept getting smaller and smaller and smaller. Um, eventually they weren't going to be able to afford me was, was a big part of it. And the other part was I knew that there was going to be an opportunity with NXT. Um, mm. There was nothing official, but I, I I had a very good idea that where I was in my career and who I was in, in the wrestling world, that there would be interest from them. And I didn't know for sure, but it was kind of like I bet on myself, you know, yeah. and and I don't think you're ever wrong when you do that. So that's what I did. And and uh, I don't I didn't want that to happen to the company. I mean, a lot of people I know and like and I'm still friends with today lost their jobs and now have moved on to other things and did other stuff. But um the writing was on the walls where the company was heading. And then when Anthem came in and Demore and all those guys came in, I mean, they had a long road ahead. And this, you know, this past Saturday, Slammiversary, that's the first step, stepping out of the shadow, I believe, you know, and uh, it, it's unbelievable the journey, you know, I mean, to, 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 to where I was and then what happened. And now I'm back and there's this huge groundswell of support for Impact Wrestling. And it's really, really cool to be part of that. When you look at all of your time in TNA, and I was a huge TNA fan, I'm a big yep. Impact Wrestling fan. Where do you think was the height of TNA? Yeah, I mean, for me, there's, I mean, personally, there's, there's a bunch of different answers for that. Company wise, I feel like when Kurt first came, that was like him and like Christian 06, coming over. Right? Yeah, that's like 06 to 010 it really felt like something was happening, you know, like these guys are choosing, I mean, they could choose more money, more exposure, but they're choosing to come there because they see that it could be an alternative. Now there was times when they're like, Oh, we're going to do the Monday night wars. And it's like, I was never under any illusion that we were competing with the WWE because we weren't. The, the WWE at that point, they were the Yankees and we were the Nashville Sounds. We're playing the same game and we're doing the same thing, but it's in two different leagues. Just the reality of it. You know, like our highest paid guy on our roster isn't even sniffing the numbers of the highest paid guy there. And, right. you know, the, just the overall numbers, like I said, like earlier, it's, it's generational. You know, grandpas, fathers and sons have watched the WWE. And I, I do believe part of that is the reason they have a stranglehold on the wrestling business is because it's just been around for so long. You know, you, you hear that and you think and you trust and it's nostalgic and this, that, and the other. And if you go online, like most of the stuff written and most of said is nobody likes it. Well then stop watching it. Don't watch it. 
If you, that's, that's your power. Your yeah. power to make them change is not watch it. The, and if you don't, if you keep watching it, they're just going to keep doing what they're doing. So well, it's, it's kind of happening now. The, the ratings are certainly declining with everything that's going on in the world right now. Of course, yeah. When, I mean, I think that's just like, part of that is, is like, it's just not the same. You mean like, I wrestled in front of it, no crowd for the first time. And I can tell you, it is it is not the best time I've had before. You know, it's not ideal for me making a return to a place where you were before. And uh, 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 I think a pretty sizable surprise for the company and yeah. for the wrestling world. And you walk out on stage, your music's playing, and it's just nothing, silence. And as a person that's, look, I've wrestled in front of very few people before on several indie shows, you know, like as little as four or five people, but at least they're making noise, you know? But yeah. There, there's nobody. You I mean, like, there's, you can hear the announcers talking and, and hear me breathing, trying to catch my breath, but <laughs> that's that must about be it. so weird being able to hear the announcers talking. Yeah, it's a it's a little bizarre. It's a little bizarre, and that was the first time they had been live. You know, that paper was the first time they had been live, live for yeah, a while. Yeah. So uh, there's nothing better than live wrestling, live TV. The pressure of that it, it brings out the best, and I think it did that night as well. Is there any talk at Impact about putting someone in the crowd? AEW, WWE. They're putting the workers that aren't on the card in the crowd to at least have some sort of buzz in the arena. Yeah, I think, I mean, all the guys are talking about it because it, it would help, you know. Um, part of that is uh, we're shooting in a very small studio in Nashville at this point, and there really isn't a ton of room. The other part is, you know, the you know owners of, uh, of, of Anthem and the people at Access TV are just saying, like, the reality is it's a risk. And yeah. by having people in that close proximity, whether you have masks on or, plexiglass shields that don't do anything you know like you're 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 risking people's health by having him there and i i'm not afraid to get the virus i i i you know i'm not worried about it um i wear a mask when i go into public um i go i wear a mask if i'm going to be around people but i'm doing it in case i have it because i don't want to give it to somebody else but in yeah. the end i feel anthem sports and impact wrestling made the decision is we're in this small studio. We already have, we're at kind of max capacity, just having essential personnel there. Like, you know, like I wanted to bring my wife, but I can't because she's not part of the essential people to shoot this pay-per-view, you know? So, you know, no wives, no friends, no, you know, rides or, you know, local buddies or anything like that. It's just the essential production people and just the people that are booked on the show. And basically once you're done, they kind of ask you to leave because we're trying to, to be as responsible as possible. So um, I, I, I support it either which way, you know, it's uh, I think it would help the product having a few people in the crowd because just having noise and having someone to work off of would improve it. But at yeah. the same time, uh, they're doing what, what, what we all, you know, anyone living in the United States should be doing right now. You know, we're the last, we're the slowest country on the, on the uptake of this, you know, other, other countries are getting back to real life because they took it serious and people did things together. And, uh, that's not happening here. And that's, that's our fault. We have no one to blame but ourselves. Yeah. Do, do you know if, was Slammiversary's date already planned? Because it coincided with the 90-day non-compete, like, so yeah. perfectly. Yeah. As far as I know, it, it was set. And, and wow. it, is, it is crazy because we all became available, I believe, on the 17th. Yes. Yeah. You know, at midnight, the 17th, all, like, whatever it was, 30 or 40 guys that were all released 
were all available and could, you know, I mean, like the, the good brothers appearing at midnight, drinking beer, standing in the impact ring all, only as they can. So yeah, yeah it's uh it was uh it was definitely as far as I understand, that's when Slammiversary was happening. That's part of the schedule. Um and it like I said, fate is a funny thing, man. It's a yeah. it's a funny, funny thing and it, it's real. I've I believed in it my whole life. And uh the world has got a funny way of kind of working itself out. You know, this call you had with Scott Demore, did you mm-hmm. talk about, you know, what would happen? After Slammiversary, I mean, you've done a few tapings, but did you talk about where you want your character to be headed? Yeah, sure. I mean, we discussed that. And so, and I mean, for complete transparency, I've never been a person that's worried about that stuff. And Mm. that might be a detriment to me and my career. Um, Part of that is, is politics. I mean, part of doing that is being political and politics exist in all industries in all walks of life it exists at burger king it exists at the post office it exists everywhere um but i i can't control that room of writers and and all i can control is my effort and my output of what i'm given and i've always looked at it like look those guys their job is to produce and write and put in position the best show possible um and here at Impact, it is more of a collective. And they do want us involved. And they do ask, they did ask my opinion. And I gave it to them. Um, whether that happens or not, I'm not going to lose, lose sleep over it because that's not my job to decide. You know, they, they're not paying me enough to decide those kind of things. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, I, I told them my ideas. Um, we are very similar, have a very similar ideas going forward to what should happen, what could happen. And there's some super cool stuff coming for sure. There's uh, you know, we shot some, some uh, five or six episodes over the last two days, as you can tell by my face is kind of <laughs> banged up a little bit here. Um, but yeah, it's um, for sure. Uh, there's some cool stuff coming, but I've never worried myself over that. Like it's, which is, I think part of the reason why I've done so many different things is it's just like, Oh, well maybe he could do this. And then I end up being a comedy wrestler for eight before I TNA, I had never done anything funny ever in wrestling i had never done any comedy stuff ever and then it happened then i got a fishing show and i did that for 10 years you know i was the comedy act in tna and and i've done a bunch of other stuff so i don't concern myself with that uh if they ask my opinion i tell them honestly if they ask for my suggestions i tell them if not i stay out of their way that's their job not mine so what, what would you say is the biggest difference now with Scott Demore and Don Callis in charge versus when you left the company? Uh, uh, growth. You know, mm-hmm. this, uh, the, the big part is having uh, a person, you know, Scott being the president, it, he understands wrestling. You know what I mean? He, he's wrestled before. And I feel like if you're going to be in charge of a company that, is selling wrestling. You have to understand it. And and that's no slight on Dixie at all. She's a a very nice lady, always took very good care of me and and built a company from nothing as well into something that was a very legitimate alternative to the WWE at one point. Um, Lots of mistakes were made just like, uh, you know, are are made in business often. But I think, you know, the team they have in, in tech now, like access TV is, is the second biggest channel that they've ever been on spike obviously being the biggest, but access is, is available in, in, in most homes in, in North America. And and that's a big get for them and is the flagship program of that channel. 
and the company that owns them also owns Access TV. So it, it, it's a really, really good marriage. And all that growth comes from the people that are in charge. Like those things don't happen on their own. You're being a TV yourself. Like the lots of things have to be pushed and pursued and yes. prodded for things like that to happen. So it's, uh, it's, it, the management is completely different. And the biggest part of what's happening right now is being part of something that is growing and it's growing fast. Like you, I can feel it. Uh, you can feel it. The rest I of the can world feel can it. definitely feel it. It feels like impact wrestling on a whole just after Saturday. And it's not like I'm not trying to put a feather in my cap. It is a group effort for sure. But being part of that, it's like it, it doubled in size overnight. You should put that feather in your cap. I mean, it was exciting to see you out there. Slammiversary was trending number one worldwide yep. on Twitter. I, I don't know the last time that Impact Wrestling was trending worldwide on Twitter. That was so exciting yep. to see. Yeah, it's a it's a huge, huge thing for them. Um, that side of the digital media, social media and stuff is obviously a huge part of wrestling now. So that's, a, a, you know, I am definitely part of that. Uh, the, the Twitch feed um, from the show last night, Eddie Edwards, they were at, I think, around 6,000, 6,500 people on the TNA Twitch feed. And when I came out, it jumped up to like 96,000. So <laughs> it's, you know, like, look, at the proof is in the pudding. Like uh, doing one of the 24-7 segments I, I slid into the ring and took a boot from charlotte eric young trended worldwide that night i was on the screen for five seconds literally yeah. five seconds yeah i mean the proof is in the pudding like i am i exist i am a thing in pro wrestling i've been on tv for i mean i guess i had a little bit of a hiatus there but uh, you know 15 16 years in a row uh that's not by that's not by mistake I like this uh, tweet that Tommy Dreamer put out. Speaking of that Twitch feed, he said that you look <laughs> said you look like a combination of Kurt Angle and Baron von what was it? Baron, Baron von, von Raschke. That's yeah, right. Old, old school wrestler, yeah. I kept trying to give him the stomach claw all day. He was talking about it at the taping. <laughs> so, uh very good buddy of mine, Tommy. Awesome guy, super smart guy. Knows wrestling inside. I don't know if anyone loves wrestling more than Tommy Dreamer. Yeah. Uh for real. Like it's, it's a little kind of terrifying. Um, but yeah, he's a great, great guy and uh, awesome guy to be around. It's just a different look, you know, seeing you, you had a beard yeah. for, you know, 10 years. I'm sure you get asked yep. every single day, like yep. when's the beard coming back or why'd you shave the beard? But yeah, it's just a completely different look. What was the yep. thought behind it? Uh, so it was at, in the WWE. I had my beard. Um, I, I kind of shaved my head low. Look, I'm 40 years old and like when some, eventually you'll be 40 and you'll lose your hair and you'll know what this is all about. <laughs> I'm knocking on 40's door now. So. <laughs> so yeah, it's just, I mean, just the reality is, is it's, it's out of necessity. I'm losing my hair. So this is the look that, that, uh, that nature has given me. Uh, the beard you was shaved a, head and beard guy. Yeah, I could be, I could be. And I was for, for several months and no one saw it because I wasn't on TV. But if you watch the main event, you saw that look. That was a was a good look while I was battling with Titus O'Neil and and other dubious characters. But uh, the beard, I looked around it in the WWE on the Raw roster, like three quarters of the guys had beards. When I grew it in like the end of two thousand nine, two thousand ten, like I'm not saying I invented beards, but there was very very few beards in pro wrestling. So I was like, well, I'll just grow this crazy beard and look completely different than everybody else. Then everyone grew a beard. Mm. And, you know, people are like, oh, you copied Daniel Bryan. You can go back and look at the tape. I had a full beard before Daniel Bryan even started growing a beard. Awesome guy. Very cool to me. Um, and people would like compare us all the time. I was like, 
I mean, you've seen pictures of his wife, right? Like, I've never heard anybody say a bad thing about the guy ever. He's one of the most talented pro wrestlers in the world. You want to compare us? Not a problem. Yeah, there were a lot of comparisons because he won the title after beating, yep. you know, a bunch of people at WrestleMania 30. You won a title that's the title that same year. Yep. I guess the people thought the storylines were similar. Then you're smaller guys with beards and it ties it yep. all together for them. Yep, yep. That's and all and that had nothing to do with me. I don't I don't write the show. I'm glad that they wrote it that way. It was yeah. winning winning the world title was cool. I just want to take a quick time out to thank our sponsors who make episodes like this possible. Have you heard of DealDash.com? It's the best, most honest bidding site where you can win things you'd never expect at a price that you'd never believe. They have over a thousand auctions every day on electronics, appliances, beauty products, home decor. They even have cars on Deal Dash. So here's how it works. It's like an auction, but every item starts at $0 and only goes up by one cent every time you bid. The kicker is that auction clock restarts after just 10 seconds. So that means every time you bid, everyone else has 10 seconds to answer or the item is yours. If you go ahead and buy now, Deal Dash is offering our listeners an extra 100 free bids upon sign up on top of their other discounts. Just go to DealDash.com and use the promo code CVVSHOW or go to DealDash.FM slash CVVSHOW. That's D-E-A-L-D-A-S-H dot F-M slash CVVSHOW. Also got to thank our sponsor, Bet Online. Sports are coming back and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball is finally kicking off this week, and there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Check out all the odds, futures, and props to bet on. They're all available 24-7. And with the return of sports, Bet Online sat down with former pro players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven-time NBA champ Robert Horry. See what they all had to say on what it's like to be playing without fans in a series that they are calling Fandemic. Visit betonline.ag for all your odds and all your up-to-date sports news. Remember to use that promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. Did you think that after being in TNA for 10 years, that maybe your opportunity at winning the championship had maybe passed you by? Um, I mean, I felt like it's something that I thought was always in my wheelhouse. Um, like I had said earlier, like, I mean, I had never done comedy wrestling ever, um, independently, you know, everywhere I worked, I was the guy that they, you know, like they bring in Jimmy Snuka and I was the guy that wrestled him, you know, or, or, you know, it was a guy that it was a show that was just a bunch of local guys. I was the champion there. Like, and that's, I mean, again, like, I'm not trying to be braggadocious, but like in Ontario and in that part of the world and where I wrestled. I was the guy, one of the guys that was I watched all many the of those matches. Right. So that's it's definitely was in my wheelhouse. It was part of of who I could be. So I that the self-belief was always there. Um, but like I said, like I don't I don't worry myself with that stuff. You'll go crazy. You know what I mean? And a lot of wrestlers do. Uh, yeah. go going crazy trying to manipulate people and you know, like talking yourself in a circle and talking to this guy and talking to that guy yeah, yeah. and trying to get in the air, you'll make yourself nuts, you know, yeah. like it, and it happens all the time. 
I don't have the energy for that. I'm not a political person. I never have been. I hate real politics uh, <laughs> and, and I hate wrestling politics as well. So I, I just avoid it all. You know, I just, I let my work, my attitude and how I treat people. That's, that's what I let do the talking. I don't, I don't need to do the other stuff. So we both grew up in Ontario and yep. I watched a lot of your independent wrestling matches when I was growing up. And actually you were part of what I think it may be the greatest independent wrestling match of all time. Uh, wow. do you know the one I'm talking about? Uh, no, it could be me and Derek Wild ladder match. That's exactly it. That's yeah. so funny. You've wrestled yeah. thousands of matches thousands. and you know, that's, I mean, that was, I mean, it's one of my favorite matches in my whole career. And it, it was very special because that was Neo Spirit Pro Wrestling, yeah, it was uh, fighting, Falls. Spirit, fight, it was fighting Spirit Pro Wrestling, Niagara Falls, um, started and owned by two local guys, young guys that worked, and they built that from nothing. You mean like I can remember being, you know, I think I won the belt on their first show, and there was maybe thirty-five people there, and. <laughs> Then you fast forward two or three years later, it's me and Derek Wilde for the for the title in a ladder match. Um, and there was probably over a thousand people in that Polish hall. And it probably only held 700. They were selling $5 tickets so people could stand on the stage. And people, I still talk to guys that were fans that would go to those shows and stuff. Yeah. And being part of that, um, that is... I mean, the ultimate drug, you know, it's to being part of something like that and helping grow that and, and, and putting it into a position that it was like that. It was, I'm to me, in my opinion, the best indie in the area. And I'm talking in a, in a 50, a hundred mile radius, put on unbelievable shows and, and they built it from nothing. They'd never used TV guides. They never used old WWE wrestlers. It was built around young guys with no name every month, you know, whatever, third Friday or third Saturday of every month. Yeah. There was a show at the Polish Hall in Niagara Falls, and it became a destination for, for independent wrestling fans. Yeah, I drove almost two hours from Pickering to yeah. Niagara Falls to watch those shows. And what was so special about that match with Derek Wilde is I'd never seen a ladder match where you guys utilize the ladders in the way that you did. I mean, there was a Death Valley driver off the top of the ladder, which was in the ring through a table, which was on the outside of the ring. And it's almost 20 years later. And I remember this, like it's yeah. ingrained in my mind. In fact, there's a little clip of it on YouTube and you can see me like this tiny little pixelated guy in the background going, ah, yeah, yeah. It was, uh, like I said, like super proud of it. I, I, I always kind of said it was, it was more of a happening than it was a match. You know, there's just a bunch of crazy stuff, but like we both felt we had wrestled each other so much at that point. Um, having a ladder obviously changes the dynamics of it because sure. you're going to do other stuff, but we were, you know, it, it was like a, a thing of pride to, to, to do that. Like, and you're not doing it for the money. I can assure you at that point, <laughs> you're doing it simply because you love pro wrestling and you want people that, worked hard to bought a ticket like someone like you or, or any of the people that were there you, you want them to come back next time you yeah. you want them to be like man i was part of something you know and and even though it's it's regional and it's small but all those people there i i believe if you ask anybody that night they'll remember it vividly just like me and dare to like you know it's it, uh, that's a special thing i mean like you 
it's hard to explain how that feels as a performer, but it's, that's the ultimate high. There's, there's no higher than that. I so badly wanted to be a pro wrestler growing up. And I don't know if you remember this or not, but I visited your wrestling yep. school. I remember. Plex, Ontario to just kind of yep. like get, like see how things were done there. Yep. And I, I tell this story all the time. I'm there, I'm watching the training happen. And one of your students breaks his arm like 10 minutes into me watching this. So yep. he's walking around with his arm like this. And you're like, Trust me, this this doesn't this 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 just doesn't happen often. Yeah, not often. It does happen though. Uh, I mean, you can see my face. You know, tw- twenty years later, it doesn't get easier. Uh, so yeah, it's a. Uh, I loved having that gym, man. Uh, mostly, it was just so I would have a ring, so I could stay sharp, sure, yeah. and working on stuff. But um, very high success rate. Crazy Steve, uh, Jake O'Reilly, who wrestled for All Japan, uh, Sean Spears. Uh, I believe the guy that broke his arm is Warhead, and he still works. Um, oh, he, so he broke his arm and then still came back to the wrestling school? He came back after his arm healed for a little while, and then he went. He started. There was another school that opened up that was close to where he lived, and he started there. But I believe he still works independently. In wow. Yeah. So I, I think what was crazy about going to your wrestling school uh, and I ended up training at Squared Circle just because it was closer to my hometown. But what was crazy yep. about going to your school is you were the head trainer with like, what, three years experience or something like that? Yeah, yeah. And that's just, that's just so rare. Usually it's some guy who's yeah. on their way out who's yep. now training people. Yeah, definitely. And I, I feel like there was definitely, uh, if you came to my, my gym and I, I had said this and I, I mean, I had young people come and their parents would come with them, which was crazy. Cause at the time I'm 19, I mean, I'm 20 years old yeah. and now this guy is like, Oh, if my son comes here, like, what does he get? And I was like, well, he doesn't get anything. You know, <laughs> when he leaves here, he'll know how to wrestle. That's all. Yeah. I mean, like, I'm not going to say he's going to get booked. I'm not going to say he's going to be good at it because I, I can't dictate that. I mean, you can't, make somebody be a good wrestler they can do it or they can't yeah uh, and after training people uh you know i was i ended up through circumstance being the head trainer at the Hart brothers gym and and like the guy that was a the trainer there just disappeared in the night and i was one of the most experienced guys there and was there every night so i just kind of became the trainer by default so i started training people when i was very very young um and probably shouldn't have been training people but i knew the most out of the group so that's just kind of how it happened. And then at that point, I was wrestling all over the place in the United yeah. States and Canada. I, w- I was wrestling all over the place and was a staple in Ontario. And like I said, like the biggest reason for me having the gym was just so I could have a ring and having students was a way to pay for the building and pay for the ring. So, um, but, but I, I loved it. I would, I, I can see myself opening another one at some point for sure. Oh, wow. So, I mean, yeah. you're right. You were wrestling everywhere in Ontario and just in that, you know, in that region, like upstate New York, all, everywhere around there. Yep. What was the real, what was the break for you after putting in all that time on the Indies? What was the break for you to get noticed by impact? Um, so, it, I mean, at the time impact was actively looking for independent stars, right? Like, part of their business plan, which was smart, was taking these regional acts or independent acts that had a name, that had a buzz, and then putting them on their television show to build that fan base. Um, at the time, I mean, it was just the weekly pay-per-views. So, right, yeah. uh, you know, like they're hemorrhaging money. 
uh, big time. I mean, like at that point, they had started scaling back from having like the Ken Shamrocks and, you know, these guys that cost a lot of money. And rather than than building the show around them, you build the show around AJ Styles and uh, Team Canada and, and people that they could afford is just it's just the reality of it. And uh, so, yeah, it was like that, that was a smart business plan by them. And I was doing a ton of uh, dark matches and stuff for the WWE and had talked to them about, you know, possibly working there and had a conversation with Stephanie McMahon and I had bleach blonde hair. And she's like, oh, your name came up in the meetings and we're thinking about maybe making you into this surfer gimmick. I was like, I, I live in Southwestern Ontario and I've never surfed in the ocean, but <laughs> I'm all for it. I'm all for it. I'll be a surfer. No problem. Um, so I, I always wanted to ask her. I never had an opportunity, but I, we had the conversation and I mean, she hasn't really, I mean, I'm just a guy that does dark matches at the time and stuff, but I had been there a bunch, you know, and, and had done a lot of darks and a lot of, um, a lot of tryouts with the WWE at the point. So like people started to recognize me from being around so often. And she said the thing about being the surfer. And I was like, Oh geez, I'll be, I'll be the child molester if you want me to. And then she kind of like looked at me and was like, Oh God. And I wondered, I always wanted to ask her if she remembered that or if it was something that, that was off putting to her. I didn't mean it like that. It was many, I was like, whatever gimmick you want me to be, that's what I'll be. You know, that could have um, cost you your opportunity. Uh, uh, no, I don't think it, I don't think it did, but I'm curious if like on the drive home, I'm thinking, why would I say that? Why, why would I ever say anything like that to this woman? <laughs> like it just, it's such a terrible thing to say at the time, but I was young and super eager. Um, and I think I was trying to be funny and it's a tasteless terrible shitty joke but uh <laughs> i said it anyways and i always wanted to ask her and i because i was pretty good friends with hunter i always was kind of waiting for my op opening to talk to her and it just never came so uh someday maybe i'll get a chance to ask her to find out if she remembers i'm sure she doesn't yeah knowing what i know about her now that she's very easygoing and um pretty funny herself so uh i don't, don't think she probably remembers but uh at the time I tortured myself for weeks after that. If there's a new impact wrestling fans who maybe just saw you for the first time at Slammiversary or they're just seeing you now yeah. on impact. If they go back into the archives, what Eric young matches should they watch to get caught up on what you're all about? Yeah. I mean, that goes back to, I mean, it depends on what you like, you know, well, what do you <laughs> like? Uh, I mean, it, I'm biased because I mean, because I like it all. Um, oh, good. Uh, Victory Road. I'm trying to think of what year that was. Oh seven, maybe oh six. It's tough for me to remember because I'm terrible with dates. But it was definitely Victory Road. You've been hitting the head a lot. Also, yeah, I don't even know who you are or where I'm at right now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's Victory Road. It's America's Most Wanted and Team Canada. I think we're the champions at the time. Me and Bobby Roode, and they beat us that night. Um, there's a lot of reasons. It's an unbelievable tag match, in my opinion. Um, I think it was kind of the first match that where people were like, whoa, I mean, Eric Young can go. And there's lots of reasons for that. At that point, I uh, had heard rumblings. My contract was expiring, and they were not going to renew it. And Dusty Rhodes was the man in charge of booking at that point. And just before the match, I went up to him and I don't think it was kind. It was definitely not kindly. It was very forcefully said, like, you're not renewing my contract. It's a giant mistake. 
I know you don't watch everything, but you need to watch this match. And I'm going to, I'm going to show you why you're making the biggest mistake of your life. Wow. And we went out and we definitely, they definitely helped me, Bobby and America's most wanted both at the time, you know, helped me to showcase me in that match. Um, selling and, and stuff like, you know, basically just me getting my ass kicked. But, um, I said that to Dusty and when I walked back through the tunnel, he hugged me and said, you'll have a contract tomorrow. So wow. yeah, yeah, that's a very, very little known story. Uh, me and him where we were not very friendly. Um, I don't, didn't agree with a lot of stuff that went on with him in the booking there, but he watched the match and he did right by me. And uh, I respect that forever for sure. Wow. Okay. So that's, yep. that's a tag match that we that's should a big one. Yeah. That's what a, big about a one. singles match. Uh, singles. Uh, one of my favorites. This is very late. This is me and me and Bobby rude uh, from Wembley. Um, it was, I believe it was a tables. It was a TLC, but it was, it was right near the end of the run. It was a kind of like a culmination um, kind of blow off match for me and him very early on in the show. But that, that's a, that's a really, really big one. I can remember being in the middle of it and being so relaxed. And it's a weird thing because sometimes when you're doing it, it's just, you're so caught up in what you're doing and trying to remember what you want to do next and react, engaging from what the crowd's doing. What are we going to try to do? Do we, do we switch the plans and try something else? You're kind of caught up in that, but I can remember it being so good and being so relaxed because you know, Bobby Roode is one of the best wrestlers in the world still today and being so relaxed, just knowing that everything is going exactly how you planned. And that feeling of like setting something up and then everything that you do, they're reacting and they're reacting 10, even more so than you thought that they would. Uh, it's a dangerous drug as a dangerous drug. I'll tell you that right now, but that's a, that's a big one for sure. Um, I mean, the super Eric stuff was super fun. Uh, the stuff, the, the, the sketch with Scott Bale, all the stuff from me being in LA and looking for him is, I think that uh, performance wise, that kind of really put me on the map of saying like, he's not just a wrestler. You know what I mean? Like yeah. there's something else there. And, and, uh, and I, I, I always wanted to do stuff like that, but I never really had an avenue for it. Of course, with independent wrestling, you don't have TV, right? So you don't have the ability to do it, but that was like, a a very cool thing. Jason Hervey and Eric Bischoff, um, they believed in me at that point and, and really liked that part of the character being a big part of the television show for him, for TNA wrestling at the time. So it was a very cool, people were like, oh man, did you not like doing the comedy stuff? Well, no, it was awesome. I, I barely took any bumps for eight years. Yeah. All I did is extended my career. Like I'm 40, but I'm really like 30, you know, mm -hmm. in ring wise. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I loved it. And I mean, I got a, my own show on animal planet. I met Oprah. Like I was on the today show, like all this cool stuff stemmed from that. If I was just a wrestler, I would have never got all that stuff. Yeah. They, they found me because I was a pro wrestler that was doing funny stuff and skits and out of the box stuff. That's how they found me. So like you, I am also yeah. very passionate about bass fishing, very passionate about fishing. I own a bass yes. fishing company. Actually you do. I own the company. Woo tungsten. Huh? So if you've seen Wu Tungsten, that is me and my uh, fishing partner, Aaron, we own that company. So yeah. when I saw that you got that show, I was so excited for you, but also yeah. as a TV host, very jealous of you to be hosting yeah. a, a show on Animal Planet. How did it come together? Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's one of those definitely in the stories is, is, you know, it's who you know and who knows you. So at the point, um, 
Tommaso Ciampa's wife now is Jess Whitney. She was uh, a member of the production team uh, for TNA. She was in school, I believe, for production stuff. She was also cast in the first Tough Enough. Mm. She was a uh, little, little blonde girl, and she like fell on her head like first or second episode. She was voted off various, but they, the WWE hired her to do production stuff, and she was in school for production. Then she came over to TNA. We were close. Um, she had left TNA at the time, but we stayed in contact, talked a couple times a year. And a friend of hers that she worked with on this other show um, was producing this fishing show. And they had cast a uh, professional angler and shot the sizzle reel in, in the pilot episode and took it to Animal Planet. Animal Planet nope, said, this is terrible. He's like just talking about braided line and lures and no one really cares about that stuff except for fishing people. Yeah. We want it to be funny. Like, yeah. you know, I mean, this isn't the outdoor channel. This is Animal Planet. And so they started to recast it. And she read a thing that he had put up and said, you know, somebody that likes physical humor and is interesting and whatever. And she said, well, would you be interested in hosting this fishing show? And I'm, I didn't think anything of it. I said, yeah, sure. At the time I'm wrestling full time and um, in a pretty good spot on impact, definitely not where I ended up, but it was, was in, you know, very utilized, was doing lots of work, was on all the house shows, was on all the pay-per-views, was on all the television shows. So I was very busy with that wrestling independently at the time, all over the place. And I didn't think anything of it. I said, yeah, sure. Throw my name in the hat and thinking like, I don't have any experience, like pro wrestling for whatever reason to people in production world and in the real television world is a joke. And I don't I still to this day don't understand that. Yeah. Um, but the secret is getting out the, you know, the biggest box office star in the world is a pro wrestler. And that's because he's hardworking, versatile and things that he learned tools. He learned from wrestling. He adapted those to, I mean, obviously he's a very special person, but you know, the rock could do anything years ago and wrestling opened the avenues for that. Anyways. Um, so anyways, they put my name in the hat and they're casting it. And it's like, Oh, there's 150 people applying for it. And yeah. So I'm talking to this producer, Dan Bree, and he's calling me every day, like saying, oh, you're still in it. You're still in it. And he wants me to be in it, but he doesn't get to decide. It's an animal planet and Discovery's choice. So they whittle it down and whittle it down. He's calling me every day. I said, look, Dan, like, I'm busy. Like, you don't need to call me every day and give me updates. Like, just, I'd love to do the show. Uh, that would be really cool. If not, no big deal. Wow. And yeah, they whittle it down and they end up calling me and says, okay, uh, they decided on you. Um, we're going to go shoot this sizzle reel, which is a little six, seven minute episode of what an episode could look like. And we went up to Rhode Island and shot the show, uh, a fishing style called skishing where the guy typically does it at night where he'll, he's an ex Navy seal, this guy, Ed Fagnat, and he was awesome and insane. And he basically wears a wetsuit and wears, uses this long beach pole and lets the current pull him out into the ocean. And he catches straight bass while he's floating in the water in the middle of the night. Uh, we couldn't shoot it at night because you can't see anything because of the lighting and stuff. So we did it during the day. Um, and uh, the sizzle reel was a hit. And right away they ordered, normally they ordered six, eight episodes for a premiering thing, but they believed in it so much they ordered 12 right away. And they wow. renewed it for another 14 uh, while we were still shooting the, the first season. So yeah, that's, that's how it happened. And uh, it came down to like me and there was this, this tiny little comedian from Brooklyn uh, were the last two and they cast me and luckily because if he would have done it, he would be dead because the show was, <laughs> the show was tough and crazy physical. And there's all these things that 
you had to be strong or, you know, like at least durable to, to endure some of the things that happened on the show. And if they would have cast him, I don't think yet he would have been able to do half of it. And if he tried, he probably would have passed away. So they made the right choice. And I ended up with a really cool fishing show. Well, let's, I just need to tell you that that's not usually how casting works. So like, that's amazing that that worked for you. Usually it's many auditions, Yep. Go out and shoot a pilot, and then you just cross your fingers for like three months, hoping that they'll pick up the show. Yeah. The fact that you shot a sizzle and then got picked up is amazing. Also, they're yeah. calling you every day because most TV hosts are out of work and they're like hoping yeah. desperately to get some and sort of job. That's why. And like at the time, like I, it's, it's literally what I said. Like she said, I'll throw your name in the hat. And I just think like maybe he's just calling me out of a courtesy to her because they're friends. Like, yeah. I'm, I, I never thought I would get it, to be honest. I mean, I believe that I could do it. I believe that I, I definitely, was I the right person for the job? I don't know, but I knew that I could do it. I felt, or I felt that I could do it at that point. Um, but yeah, it escalated very quickly. And when we did the sizzle reel, it was like the the show itself was not greenlit. It was just in, it was in pre, pre-production. So we did the sizzle reel and then that went around internally at Discovery and they loved it. And like instantly, boom, like literally it was like, okay, go. And we had 12 episodes of shoot and off I went and was wrestling full time. And that whole experience was amazing. Definitely took years off my life of my, you know, days would be filled shooting these fishing shows. And then the crew and the production people would all fly home and clean their clothes and hang out with their significant others. And I would fly to wrestling. My days off were spent getting punched in the face. So, um, yeah, it was, I was burning it on both ends, but I wouldn't change it, man. It was amazing, amazing experience. Do you want to do more hosting now? Oh, for sure. Yeah, for sure. So, and that's something that's interesting too, with the, the access is, is definitely looking for content and uh, yeah. I will have direct contact with them because of the relationship with impact and with Anthem, um, having the history in television and saying like, I, I did this yeah. I and mean, I, I could do this kind of thing. So like, once you kind of get your foot in the door, it's kind of always there. I've auditioned for tons of stuff. Um, almost got a, a game show. I can't, I think it was called bullseye. And what's that guy's name? I was in like, well, the vampire movie. Well, in Lutz or Kellen Lutz. Yeah. Kellen Lutz. That's who yeah. I lost. That's who I lost. It was, it was, oh, him. How I lost to him. So you guys aren't even similar at all. No, I mean, I don't, if you're going to lose, you might as well lose to someone that looks like that. I mean, I guess he, so. He yeah. didn't even have to say anything. He just stand there. He's a gorgeous man. <laughs> but you're a better host. You're much I feel like host. I probably would have been a better host for that game. It got canceled. So they made the wrong choice. <laughs> so let's bring it back to wrestling now. Yeah. Um, with Eddie Edwards now as the uh, impact champion, I feel like you guys could line up and have some epic battles together. Yeah. Eddie is uh a very special talent man um was a guy that i worked with some before i i left when he was part of the wolves um just uh a very all-rounded kind of he's a pro you I mean an absolute pro and a guy that i would love to work with um i think the character that i'm coming back the world-class maniac and who he is i think there's a very special story to be told there um the physicality I feel will be something that I haven't been part of the physicality like that in a match in a long time. Uh, and I'm looking forward to it. Like I know we'll both be beaten up, uh, and I'll probably have more cuts on my head. Uh, 
broke burn on my forehead and whatnot but in a weird way like i'm looking forward to the physicality of that uh and the opportunity to tell this really cool story with a little bit of history that me and him have the history i have with the impact world title um the history i have in in that company and the history that he has as well like he's a huge part of why the company was able to stay afloat i mean having talented people like that around and uh I'll, I'll thank him by dropping him on his head, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. What a nice, what a nice way to thank yeah, him. <laughs> what a good guy. I know you, you play a lot of hockey with what's going on with coronavirus. Are you still able to play? They, uh, they just opened up a few weeks ago. So you have to get, it was, uh, I played last week, uh, Wednesday and, uh, you have to change in the parking lot. That's new. Um, what? yeah, you change in the parking lot, which we just, me and the team just turned into kind of a tailgating thing and, I'll kind of put our lawn chairs out and spaced out and you put which most you, of your which you on. might do anyway, you know, we might do. I mean, this might be the new normal to be honest, because it was awesome. Um, but you wear, have to wear a mask and they take your temperature at the door. Um, there's no spitting. There's no con, there's no contact anyways, because you know, the guys I'm playing with, they have to go to work in the morning. So, uh, but yeah, I still, still play. I would play three or four times a week, but I feel that, uh, socially irresponsible so i'm only playing once a week with a team of guys that i know that are doing the right things and being safe and um it's a huge part of my happiness to be able to play and be mm. part of a hockey team and um is it kind of dangerous for what i do i suppose it is but it's uh it's something that i can do for fitness uh you know it's a good way to do cardio and, and stay in shape and have a good time rather than being on the treadmill or whatever so i've loved it my whole life we're getting very close to maybe the nhl coming back and yeah oh dude i i'm just holding my breath every day that it happens do you do you wear a visor or a cage when you're playing i i started wearing a cage it's a funny story so during the second season of the fishing show we were wrapping up the shooting and I was getting ready to do the media tour and I'm going to go do CBS this morning. I'm going to be on the today show. Um, oh, tons of stuff. Uh, I went on ESPN. I went on Michelle Beadle's NBC sports show. So I'm, we got all this stuff lined up and it's like, I'm going to leave. Uh, I want to say it's Friday. I'm, I'm leaving Friday morning to New York to start shooting the, to do the media Then I'm going to go from New York to LA and Wednesday afternoon, I'm playing in a pickup game and I got no visor on and the puck gets deflected and hits me right on the bridge of the nose. Oh. And oh, it, it hurt so bad. I got this huge cut. I'm bleeding all over the place. Finished my shift, stayed for the whole game, blood all over my jersey because I'm a man. Um, <laughs> but I get I get black eyes very easily. And I showed up at the Today Show two mornings later and I've oh. got both of my eyes are completely black and I got this huge gash across my nose. Like, Oh, what happens? Like, Oh, I was wrestling, you know, whatever. And they covered it and you can't tell, they just cover it with makeup and you can't tell at all. But from that point on, I was like, I can't afford, you mean like you have to look a certain way when you show up on TV. And at that point I started wearing a mask from that point. And it's funny, I'll get hit with sticks and shoulders and pucks. I feel like every game I get blasted in the cage. It was like, yeah. I, I didn't wear one for like 10 years and then I got hit and then it was like, okay, time to wear the mask. And now I get hit all the time thinking like, what if I didn't have that mask on? That could have took my eye out. Anything could happen. I see guys without masks. I'm like, man, you're nuts. No one on the ice is good enough and they don't have any idea what they're doing. Yeah. Don't have control over their stick. They don't know where the puck's going. They're just closing their eyes. So dangerous, man. Just wear a cage. 
hockey guys make fun of me, but that's okay. I had a similar story because uh, yeah, I wouldn't wear a cage because yeah. no one was wearing a cage. And then I yeah. took an elbow uh, in the corner and I went back to the bench and I went to my buddy. I'm like, am I okay? Am I bleeding? He's like, no, you're fine. But dude, your job is to be on TV. Like, That's it. Protect the moneymaker. And I'm That's like, it. but I don't want to wear a birdie. Yeah. And so it's a weird transition. Now I'm used to it. But like the first couple of times, it's like, man, I don't know. I don't know how I did this for you know 15 years in minor hockey. How did I, how did I see the puck? Yeah. So it's, uh, I definitely wear one now and some guy, you get heat from some people, but that's okay. They don't say it to my face. Yeah. We'll just tell them like, yeah, well, I got, you know, I got a job on TV every week. Like you should, I don't look like I should have a job on TV. You look like you should have a job on TV. I look like a caveman. Well, if you need need a co-host for your new access TV show, you let me know. That could be, it could be a thing. You never know. That could be a thing. We can make that happen. So good to catch up with you. Yeah, man. This was fun. This is really cool. And I'm just so excited to see you back in Impact Wrestling. It's a homecoming for you. And I feel like this run has the potential to be even better than the first run. Yeah, it's it's scary to think, man, for sure. And and the dressing room is full of talented, young, hungry people. And that's motivating. You know what I mean? Like it's uh, everyone wants to have the best match on the show. Everyone wants to be the top performer. And that that competition breeds excellence. You mean like they're not competing with each other. They're competing with themselves, but everyone wants to be the best. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's, that's, that's where I want to be. I want to be, you know, I don't want to be complacent. I don't want to just show up and, you know, eat catering and go home. And uh, I, I want to be part of it. And, and I'm definitely figured in and a huge part of what's going forward. And that's, there's nothing more exciting than that. That's the ultimate, that the ultimate rush and the ultimate good feeling in my heart and my soul is just being part of something that could be bigger, you know, and, uh, it's already happening right away. I mean, first night, first night in, um, the bar has been raised and now we, yeah. now we've got to deliver. And that's, uh, having pressure like that. That's, I seek that. That's what I've, I've looked for my whole life. And, and when I don't have it, I, I'm not as good when the pressure is on. I feel that's when I'm at my best. I know you said you don't like to look ahead too far, but you just, yeah. just turned 40. Yep. How many more years do you think you have left in the tank? Uh, so I'll say, and, and, and I said it in a joking way, but I mean, eight to 10 years of my impact career, I've, I've, I barely wrestled. You mean a lot of people don't think I was on every show. I did something, but it was, I didn't really work a whole lot. And when I did, it was like, you know, taking hip tosses from Earl Hebner, you know, no big deal. (laughs) So that break physical break in my career, I believe will give me longevity. Also, I'm, I feel like I was, I wish when they made the mold of me, they made me about three or four inches taller, but I was created to be a pro wrestler. Like I knock on wood, I've never missed a show ever in 22 years of wrestling. Um, I've worked a bunch hurt. I've worked some injured uh, for sure. I wrestled dusty roads with a broken ankle, but um, I'm durable. Um, That was always a big question until I started doing it for a living is like, can I do this week in and week out? Can I, can I perform at a top level? Every night, every week, 365 days a year, no rest, you know, and talking to other, like I'm a friend with a bunch of the Preds and some of the guys from the Titans and a lot of them love wrestling, you know, and, 
but they don't fully like they're just kind of casual fans and they're like oh well when do you when is your off season i was like i i haven't had an off season in 18 years like i there is no off season i have to look this way and be in this kind of shape every day because i don't know like i hadn't wrestled in almost four months and i was in a 38 minute match on a pay-per-view with people i had two three people i had never met so um it's a very interesting position to be in and uh but yeah it's a i can i can do this for sure at a very very high level for at least five years but if i was the bad i would say i could do it for another 10. wow well chris I'm in, the, I, I'm in the best shape i've been in in probably 15 years uh i'm talking real shape as in flexibility uh explosion you know hip flexibility uh shoulder flexibility i, I changed how i work out i you know, i changed how i eat um i'm gonna look i i felt saturday i was in, in pretty good shape i think six weeks from now the tv show you'll be like man he he's even more lean because i i just switched my diet and now i'm in this dieting phase i've changed a lot of stuff over my fitness regimen and stuff like that but i would say right now athletically maybe i'm not what i was five or ten years ago but condition wise and flexibility and all that stuff i've never been in this good of shape my whole wrestling career can't wait to see what's next yeah me too man me too thank you so much man Uh, i'm really looking forward to seeing you in the ring and i look forward to seeing you in person again hopefully sometime soon yeah video is good but in person is always better i agree appreciate it chris I hope you enjoyed this chat with EY as much as I did. If you could, please snap a screenshot, tag me. I'm at Chris Van Vliet. Tag Eric. He is at the Eric Young on Twitter. Please let your let your friends know about this conversation. Even though we're like a like a hundred and something episodes in right now, I know there's still a lot of people that don't know that I have a podcast. So anything you can do to help spread the word, you know, maybe you, you can't watch on YouTube all the time. Just let people know that this thing exists and turn on that subscription notification. Now, I think we're going to see a lot of, a lot of great stuff out of EY during this second run in impact wrestling. And I think it's, it's not a matter of if, but when we will see him against Eddie Edwards battling it out for that title. I remember when Eric Young won the Impact World title. I was just so excited for him. Like, yes. I mean, we talked about a bit in this interview. It was like, yes. After a decade, finally deserves this thing. He also hinted at that TV show that he might be pitching to Access TV. I'm very curious what that might be. I wonder if it's another like outdoors show. Maybe 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 I could actually co-host this with him. I don't know. Henry Ford says, whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. Have a great weekend. Enjoy your time. We'll see you soon.